Before the show starts, make sure you visit the Breakfast Store for all the sweet Breakfast merch, like the super comfy Breakfast T-shirts and the very dapper Breakfast coffee mugs. Go there now, BreakfastStore.com. People of Earth, if you can hear my voice, you have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope. My guest today, once again, is actor Christopher Chen. You know him from projects like Young Rock and American Auto. And that's not all. We had Breakfast at the new home state in Sherman Oaks. So let's go. It's the return of Christopher Chen today on Breakfast. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. I could go on a Hallmark card. <laughs> My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. Yeah, it's character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilized the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's Breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Christopher Chen, welcome back to the tiny studio L.A. in NoHo. Hey, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. I feel like I need to do, uh, I don't know, like, uh, reunited and it feels <laughs> so good. Well, that's so good to be I thought you were going to harmonize with me there. Oh, I, don't know, but I, I, miss, I, I missed it. Yeah, I missed well, that. I guess you didn't miss me at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The first time we did it was the start of the pandemic. Did we socially distance? We, I don't think we knew what that was I yet. I think we were, yeah, I think we wore masks all over. And then just when we recorded, we took our masks and we were like, and we were sitting like 10 feet apart in the studio. And yeah. That's crazy because the studio is only eight feet. So it's like, how does this work? Yeah, you were in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing out there, Chris? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's been a while. That was, that was breakfast, what, 31? Yes. And a lot's happened because I got to film over the... You know, the COVID lockdown, and it was a little terrifying the first mm-hmm. time. They flew me out to Atlanta, and I was like, I don't want to go. I'm scared. Right. That's what we had talked on the show about both of us auditioning for various parts on Young Rock. Yes. Which now has had two seasons. Yeah, and it's got a third season, and I don't think they— met- I'm guessing, but I don't think they think, thought they were going to get a third season because they yeah. didn't end on a cliffhanger. They're like, the show's over, right? We got two seasons. And it's like, you get a third one, so come up with new stuff. Figure out the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, 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 I think we alluded to it on um, our last podcast together that um, we had auditioned for the show and part of it shot in Australia. And we didn't know if we'd get it yet. And mm-hmm. now it's had two full seasons and stuff. So it's crazy. Different parts, too, we auditioned for. You know? Yeah. A yeah. lot of times you and I, well... A yeah. lot of times we audition for the same parts, but this time it's different parts. And actually, I don't know the. We still do audition for the same parts sometimes because we'll talk and be like, "Oh yeah, I went out for that." Yeah, or I you, go out for that. You mentioned it. And I, I forgot this. I got to do a fun role on um, the Netflix uh, series Atypical, mm-hmm. and you go, "Oh yeah, I auditioned for that too." It was supposed to be kind oh, of a right. really out of shape and older rollerblader. And yeah. real quick, when I was at the audition, I was looking around at the people in the waiting room and everything, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's so much." heavier and older than I am. And I thought this, and forever I'll tell it with this story, only in a casting would you wish that you were older and fatter. Only yeah. in casting. I but, know. I remember I left the room, and sometimes you can still hear them talk about you when you leave the room. Uh-huh. And I, they left, I left the room, closed the door behind me, and I heard, too hot. <laughs> no, so... It's I fine. Didn't, I didn't get that because I booked it. It's like <laughs> you are fat and old enough. Because the the punchline of the scene is is about that. It's like you gotta you're out of shape and you're old. So I still would have taken that part, <laughs> but I'm glad you got it. Anyway, exactly. we talked about last time. You know, you kind of grew up part of the way in Northern California, mm-hmm. and then you're in Ohio around mm-hmm. Cleveland for a while. Yeah, 
And I know you've done like a lot of theater. We I actually saw that's another one of the things you've been doing since last time we talked. Like I went and saw you in a production of Assassins. Yeah, at East West Players, which is I think one of the, to me one of the lesser known Sondheim. It is. It is. And a lot of it's also known for being one of the talkiest Sondheims. It also is known for that it has one of the few songs that has a <laughs> I love Sondheim, but it has a melody in it. There's a weird duet between the uh Squeaky From from Charles Manson and John Hinckley, uh, f- mm-hmm. you know, Jodie Foster crush and then try to sa- take out Reagan. They do a weird duet, but it's very Burt Bacharach, very pretty duet, you know. Uh, and so, But the show is really, like, when you take talk about, let's think of a, a topic for a, 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 a musical. Oh, let's do one where it features every single person who's either attempted to assassinate or succeeded mm-hmm. in assassinating an yeah. American U.S. president. Uh, in, and uh, American U.S. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, U.S. president, and you know the, the history buffs and everything. There's four of them who succeeded. Two you know about the most famous mm-hmm. one, John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald, and then two you've never heard of, Leon yeah. Trogosh and um, Charles Guiteau. Yeah, cool musical Sondheim. It was way more challenging than I thought. You know, I I'm kind of I was coming off of oh I haven't done musicals in a while. I've done a few Sondheim. Let's let's see how this works. Oh, this guy, my character was uh, Sam Bick. Yeah. who's always pictured you see in cast photos wearing a dirty Santa outfit. But it is interesting because, like, there's a bunch of different assassins or wannabe assassins, in, and, they're all, and you're all kind of telling your stories over each other yeah. a little bit. Anyway, that was fun. That was the East West uh, Players, uh, yes, which is East the West Players. kind of the Asian actors theater. Yeah, it's it's it has two kind of monikers because they've our cast was mixed, not just Asians, but we had an African-American actor playing John Wilkes Booth, and they didn't specifically cast it that way, but... They they had we had Latinos in our company, which mm-hmm. is great. Kind of very Hamilton style Sondheim because all the characters it's usually done all white assassins because it's historical. You match you know the the character you're playing. But East West Players is known for being the longest running theater of color in the nation. Uh, also the biggest producer of Asian American or Asian works in the country. So they got the Asian. Before, they used to just shortcut and say, oh, the Asian theater, the yeah. all-Asian theater. Like but, I just did. Yeah, but no, it is. It is. <laughs> it's in Little Tokyo. They have a space at the historic uh, Union Church. It's been around since, I think, 1965. And, you know, famous movie stars from that era like Mako and James Hong helped start it. And it's an amazing theater. It does big productions and more fun, intimate plays. And it was an honor to be on that stage. When you had some people even more famous than you in the show. I know. Getty Watanabe. Getty Watanabe. Oh, my gosh. I got to act with him. He is hilarious and sweet and great and genuine. But, yeah, go ahead. You tell us I mean, he was in, yeah, he was in 16 Candles. He played Long Duck Dong, which is a little cringy now. But, you know, his performance was good. Yeah. Uh, And he was really good in in this musical, too. Yeah, he was great. He played Charles Guiteau. I loved watching him work in his process. But yeah, he knows that how cringy and non-PC his role was. You know, he tells the story. He he was just trying to get work. Of course. He, so he had a funny story about doing that role and being known for that role. And he tells this story. I love how blunt he can be. He said he had a young actor come up to him and said, Oh, Mr. Watanabe, you are such a legend. You have done so much for Asian actors and, you know, just think so much of you. And he just turns to the kid and he goes, really? Have you seen my career? Uh, <laughs> so that's it's funny. Like, it's like I played some roles that just really didn't help our people along, did 
did I? I don't think anyone does self-deprecating, like, in general, Asian actors. Yeah, we all do it. Yeah, but no, it was an honor to work with him. I worked with Joan Amadilia from the original Broadway run of Miss Saigon. She was the fourth Kim after Leia Salonga. I also worked with Adam Kaokep, who had two Broadway credits, recent ones. He did the um, original cast of Aladdin on Broadway and the original cast of the revival of Miss Saigon on Broadway. Yeah, it's the biggest play or musical I've done in a long time. Certainly the biggest show I've done in LA. But I'm more focusing on film and TV, but theater is my roots the stage. And like you were saying before, like, you know, having, you know, I tell people I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I was based when I went to college at Northwestern University, where I studied theater. And my first job ever was singing and dancing in a review at Cedar Point, which is this 150-year-old theme park in Sandusky, Ohio. And they do all live shows. And I was just blown away because I got to go to that theme park when I was young. People in the Midwest would know. And then I started singing there my first two seasons and my first professional jobs were singing and dancing there. And then I did a lot of musical theater after that. After I uh, went to other theme parks and cruise ships, I went back home to Ohio and did stage musicals. And then um, went to New York after that because I did a national tour of a Broadway musical. I did um, the show Guys and Dolls and toured with that in the U.S. and Canada. And then I said, I'm going to New York after that. I'm not going back to Ohio. And then I was there in New York for a couple years and doing well, doing regional shows, musicals. And then a, a friend offered to, you know, said, I have a friend who needs a roommate. You want to come to L.A.? And I said, yes. And I'm normally not impulsive like that. Usually I have to hem and haw, you know, for a long time and ruminate over stuff. And I go, I'll, I'll, I'm there. And I've been here ever since. How shout long ago, out, when was that? That was like 20, over 20 years ago now. Wow. So, uh, shout out to that friend who invited me to come live in L.A. from New York. He's a Filipino-American actor, Reggie Lee, who oh, was yeah. on six seasons on the show Grimm. Mm-hmm. He is one of the nicest people you ever meet, but he plays villains in, in all the time. On Grimm, he wasn't a villain, but he was so snarky. And I asked him one time, I go, do you ever get tired that you're typesque as a villain? And he goes, no. <laughs> and he and you know what it's interesting is he's not evil looking you know he's like a good fit frame not superimposing figure but it's sort of like an anti-villain you know yeah there's just something uh, there's an edge to him i guess on on screen on camera so he he and i started out we had the same dance teacher even in ohio shout out to the great d hillier any cleveland people will know that name great dance teacher she turned out dancers for like the janet jackson tours and prince and rockettes and so he Reggie started out as a dancer, singer in Broadway shows like the original Miss Saigon tour and uh, on Broadway with uh, Tay Diggs and Audra McDonald and Carousel on Broadway. I saw that production. And then I did kind of that, like I said, theme park, cruise ship to musical theater to L.A., film and TV. And then just this past year, I revisited theater for the first time in many years, getting to Sondheim's Assassins at East Swiss Players and also followed that up with a production of Lauren Yee's King of the Yees at Sierra Madre Playhouse, mm-hmm. which is near Pasadena, directed by Tim Dang. And Tim Dang was the artistic director of East West Players for 23 seasons before he retired from that. So, wow. Yeah. So, theater, you, you always come back to it, but you and I are having a blast with film and TV stuff. And Well, something I wanted to, I thought, you know, we thought might be fun to talk about is, you know, if you're at home and you don't work in TV, when you're watching a TV show, it probably seems easier to get it shot than <laughs> less time consuming than it is. And so there's the times we're on set and they have to shoot it from your perspective. And they have to shoot it from behind you and they shoot the wide shot. 
and how how it is to like have to try to make it new and fresh every time, but also try to stay kind of within the same parameters so that the editor has things to edit together. So it's just not like, oh, we can't put this with this because he was doing something completely different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, For editing, because they take like all those, uh, the three major ones you mentioned, you know, the big wide shot, the over, you know, the perspective over your shoulder to the other actors. And then when it's close up on you and make it look like it's all happening real time. And it's not. It's it's all filmed separately. And as an actor coming from stage where you it's just you on the stage doing it all in real time, you know, having to match yourself is a challenge. You kind of have that third eye. It's like, and then you have help. You can ask the script supervisor, was I holding this in my right hand or left hand? What yeah. was I doing? And and then, you know, learning to match what you're doing because and you do it a lot over and over again. Same way, same pace, everything. And then occasionally, especially in comedies, they'll they'll say, now, fun run. Do it, take for you, however you want to do it. Because we, the director, I have everything I need to edit. One of the, this past year, this thing that happens that there's two parts, two versions of it. One happened on American Auto and the other one has happened recently on Young Rock, American Auto and another film I did with one of the famous Chris's. And it's Chris Everloyd. <laughs> no. Uh, Chris, mm, Chris Pratt. Christopher there's, Nolan. <laughs> there's lots of Chris's, including Christopher, Christopher Chen. Christopher Lee? <laughs> Ooh. Christopher Chen. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Christopher um, Robin. <laughs> you're good at the Chris <laughs> name. You, should, you would win Everybody on a talk Chris, show. Everybody hates Chris, that guy. <laughs> you would totally win on a Chris, Chris, Rock. Chris talk show. Uh, yeah. Chris could, Christie? Could be any of them. No. Oh, wow, you, you, know, <laughs> you know your Chris's. So when they turn around to you to you do your close-ups, that's called your coverage, okay? Mm-hmm. So sometimes they start with that, but not usually. And I found out on... I found this out on American Auto. I had this, I guess the it would be the punchline of the scene. The One of the characters that you go, you got to work with, um, uh, Ty White, his character Jack, is accidentally having to take coffee shop orders. It's like, oh, uh, you're going to go get coffee? I'd like this. I'd like this. And then it turns to my character, and then I have this long, 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 long order that most people would have to write down. And so I had to spit it out, this whole long thing. Da, da, da. So when we were doing, you know, the... His coverage, meaning the camera's away from me, and then the master shots, I was nailing it. This mm-hmm. thing, I just spat it out, this long, long order. Then the camera turns around to me, and I mess it up. And I'm like, but I just did it a bunch in a row perfectly. And then Ty turns to me and goes, Chris, this always happens. Camera turns around in you. It's your coverage. It's your close-ups. You're going to get nervous. It happens to all of us. It happened to you. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll, you'll get it. And he's like, ah. Oh. But it's like, it, it was such a weird, I think, phenomenon to me to have like, I just nailed it a bunch in a row, and then now yeah. it's on me. And then, yeah, but it is added pressure and everything. And a similar thing to that, this I want to share with, with your viewers or listeners. <laughs> There's no one seeing us. That when messing up in front of major celebrities, I remember on Young Rock, the second season, uh, there was a little COVID mess up with a, with a test. So one of the other actors, they wouldn't let her on set until she retested. They had to wait 24 hours. So she's she was in the scene with me, and so I just would take over the, her lines for this one segment. So there are new lines, and and I was in my trailer and just memorizing, thought I had them down. It's like, great, I'm ready to go. We get on set, and I'm sitting across from Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's like, shoot, I just learned these lines. They're kind of complicated, but I can handle it. And the first take, I just blew them right in front of him. I'm like, oh, I didn't want to mess up in front of the Rock, and I just did. Then the director's like, Chris, it's not your coverage. Don't worry about it. Just use your script. <laughs> Did you try to explain to him why? You said, hey, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. 
the reason I messed up my line was, and he said, it doesn't matter why you messed up your line. <laughs> Did that ever happen? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> no. Did he ever call you a, a jabroni? That would have been amazing. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that actually happened. He used that word in another, uh, uh, for the storyline in that same season. But Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that was and, really funny. Yeah, so it was awesome. But yeah, so he was totally patient. I did that coverage with him. It's fine. Then there was a turnaround. It's like, oh, you can't use your script. You're like nervous now and you can't. So uh, Randall Park, who's also in the series playing himself in the future, 12 years from now, and he's he's not an actor anymore. He was right. so nice. He goes, Chris, you want to run lines? I'm like, oh, my God, you're a major star. Why do you? And he ran lines with me. And I and then when it was on my coverage, I nailed it. So yeah. thank you. Wait, let's let's replay that scene. Hey, Chris, do you want, would you like to run your lines? <laughs> uh, I thought it might be helpful to you if we could run them. <laughs> And then on your coverage, you'll get great. It'll be really good. I think you're doing a great job. I don't know if you remember, I used to be an actor, too. I was on the show called Fresh Off the Boat. And now I do Marvel movies. But, oh, my uh, God. That story was just to set up your, your yeah. great Randall Park yeah, 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 impression. Yeah, yeah, yes. That was amazing. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for teeing that up. <laughs> and you and you you say his line that he says every episode about, I used to be, I don't know. That's the, f- okay, so I have to plug Young Rock a little bit because I do think it's a very original show. Uh-huh. Not only does it have... The Rock on it, which is not, we'll probably never, well, we probably won't see him doing a comedy TV show again. I don't no, know. Maybe. No. But it's got Randall Park playing himself in the future as he somehow failed out of acting or something. And as always, <laughs> every episode is mentioned The Rock. I don't know if you remember, I used to be an actor too. Yeah. <laughs> and The Rock's so was like, yeah, I think you mentioned it once or twice. <laughs> every time. But what makes the show unique to me is for a network comedy to be shot in three different timelines. Mm-hmm. And there's three different people playing The Rock at three different stages yeah. of his career or right. his life. Yeah. And in three different places, too. One of them's like— Hawaii. In Hawaii. One's mostly in Miami. Yep. And then I guess there's also in the future of Miami slash Nashville. Yeah. And also in, school, in the future he, yeah. when he's running for president. Right. That's so. the part I do. It's 12 years in the future. He's running for president of the United States. And so, hence flashbacks of how he got to where he is today as a candidate. And he flashbacks at age 10 in Hawaii, age 15 in, yeah, like you said, Nashville or, no, Nashville's this second season. It was first, the first that's season his was. his younger wrestling career, like finishing college and younger wrestling career. Yeah, no, like that's, the, that's the third Miami one. slash Nashville. Yeah, right? yeah. Let's see, so 10 years old, he's meeting all the wrestlers from like the 70s and um, in, as a 10-year-old in Nashville, uh, in, no, in Hawaii. Okay, so that's Young Rock number one. Young Rock number two is high schooler. Up to shenanigans in first in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where he started high school, then in Nashville. Yeah. So, and then third, Young Rock is him when he's 20 and he's playing football for the Miami Hurricanes. Then he starts trying to get into the Canadian Football League. And, and then the second season, it starts to touch on him getting into the family business of being a wrestler. I don't know if there's another show either, though, that's like a lot of it is based on his true life. Yes. And then you got the rest of it that's like completely made up because it's in the future. It's in the future, yeah. It's <laughs> like, and people are like, is he going to run? And I go, what do you mean? Because there's rumors that he's actually going to run. I'm like, oh, I don't know that. Should I ask him? But he he's super great to work with. He is such a major star in industry, but he's such a down-to-earth person. Also, what's great about this show, if people haven't tuned in, it's, it's free on Hulu and Peacock. Mm-hmm. Is um, There's two seasons worth. The premise, you know, of flashback shows, like you said, it's usually one period. This is three, three periods right. that, that, that they keep going back to. The other neat thing is usually it's just done voiceover. He does voiceover on it, but this is where me and Chelsea Crisp, for an actress from— She um, was she, one of my co-stars on Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> she played Ray Wise's wife. Yes. And then she, in this one, she plays the um, campaign manager for The Rocks Campaign, and I play the PR manager, Sandy. That's his name. 
um, for the campaign, and The Rock doesn't listen to either of us, or Dwayne Johnson, or we call him DJ on set. DJ Dwayne Oh, Johnson. well. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> humble brag. Yeah. So it's the four of us, and we shoot those future episodes in Atlanta but for both seasons. And he, uh, so it's uh, Dwayne Johnson, Randall Park that you just did, and uh, Chelsea Crisp and me, you know, running his campaign. And we're trying to run it and do the do the numbers and the appearances and all that and the speeches. And meanwhile, he's talking to Randall Park, who's not no longer an actor. He's an entertainment reporter, and he asks him all these questions. and And he flashes back to you know his dad growing up and his mom and his grandma. And because his granddad was a famous wrestler and his dad was a wrestler, Rocky Johnson. And so he continued the family business. And now we know where he's at. But yeah, just finishing up messing up in front of him. I just died. It also happened on that same. Oh, cover! You're, you're you're doing fine with the speech on that um, one of the famous Chris's movies. <laughs> I did the speech fine when it was not my coverage, and they turned on me, around uh, on me, and I messed up in front of that famous Chris, plus four-time Oscar nominee Annette Bening and Danny DeVito and Jennifer Jason Lee. I'm like, <laughs> why? I messed it up. And no one's gonna remember. <laughs> well, there is there is something different about it though when you like you know that the camera's not on you and you can just kind of be. Exactly. You know, a little bit chill, then all of a sudden the camera's on you. Because you can, I mean, even if you're not staring at the camera, you can see the camera. Yeah. And a lot of times there's more than one camera at the same time, right. too. Pointed, pointed right at you. And you're yeah. like, oh, you're not, and you don't look into it. That's a worse mistake than messing up lines when you look into the actual camera, which is different than commercials. Commercials, you talk directly in the camera sometimes. But yeah, just having that added pressure is it. And it's a, it's a nice lesson to learn and, uh, and show and, uh, I mean, share. With people, and and it's something you take for granted because it happens. It happens to a lot of people. I think the more comfortable I'll get with saying long speeches in front of celebrities, the better I'll get with it. Let's let's hope I have that problem, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be a nice problem to have. It is something you just kind of have to get used to. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's not something. As many times as we've done plays or musicals, there's never a camera right in your face. And you don't have to do it over and over, which you think like, well, shouldn't it be easier to do it over and over? But then, you know, eventually maybe something else, you just, something pops in your head and you're like, you blank. Yeah. Or you've said it so many times that, you know, when you say the same word over and over and all of a sudden it doesn't, is that really a word? Like knife, 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 knife. Wait, is that the <laughs> word? You know, it just sounds weird. And so you've done the same speech over and over and over. That's why you have to try to kind of keep it fresh and maybe give yourself slightly different reasons for what you're doing sometimes just to so that you don't get in this rut of like, because you don't want to say this the line the same over and over and over. Right, you do want right. to give them some variations. Variations, and, yeah. Sometimes those little happy accidents where you said a line differently or did a different reaction becomes the, um, you know, the one that they want. They're like, wow. Just real quick, uh, year, uh, several years ago, I did a, a national commercial for DirecTV and uh, I had to walk into a glass wall and I was using my my stage training to do that, I would count my steps and use my right foot to hit the glass wall first and then pretend to bounce off of it with my face <laughs> like I ran into it, Yeah. right? And I was going fine, and they had a whole team to reset it and everything, and we did different things. Like we used where I, I walked in with um, fried chicken, uh, and I walked into it with uh, file folders, and then the one they used was I walked into it with a salad. And the take they used was actually a mistake take. Because I walked, I was a little too close when I hit it with my foot. And I walked into the glass wall. It hadn't happened on any of the take. And I knocked the entire plexiglass glass that I walked into totally out of frame. I heard metal breaking and everything. And then you see me react. Like, it looks like I'm going, what did I just walk into? But it's more like, oh, my gosh, I just ruined the set. I just broke the set. I broke the set. Oh, my God, help me. They're going to fire me. And I looked and I did that. And I just finished the take, like, with a big thumbs up. Like, yeah. 
Because the premise was all of us in this DirecTV thing is like, why do people still go to cable? You use cable after, you know, DirecTV has been number one in customer service in all these years. And it shows all these people, montage of all these people hurting themselves badly in situations or something inconvenient, like having a soda explode in their face or getting hit by a shopping cart or sitting in gum. And then I'm the guy who walks into a glass wall not realizing. And it's that's why, because we like getting hurt. And I'm like, yeah, with my thumbs up. And I ran up to the directors and producers right after. It's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. While the team was fixing the whole set immediately, they were, they were that's what they were there for. And they're like, oh my gosh, no, that was amazing. And I'm like, they're like, hey, don't worry about it, Chris. Hey, it's me, Rand. Like, I, I direct commercials for direct TV now. Uh, hey, it's an accident. We'll fix it. They'll get it back up. Don't worry about it. No. That's amazing. Uh, that, that's right. He was the director. <laughs> Crazy. He's, uh, He's such an amazing I do love Randall Park. I'd, I'd love doing the impression of him because I love him so much, and he's so funny. To yeah, me yeah, but he has that voice. He's directing now, and he, he finished, the. now they're promoting. He did a series, I think it's for Netflix, about the last blockbuster. He was shooting that while I was Oh, they're doing, doing like a, a narrative, like a scripted series uh-huh, about it? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, because yeah. I like the documentary about the yeah. last, it's in uh, Bend, Oregon. Yeah. 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 So they're doing a, a comedy, a script comedy, and he's he's in that cast. And then he, then he shot that in Vancouver, I think. Then he rushed off to the East Coast to direct a movie. And uh, so he's doing it all. And he's a great, great guy. And wow. so it's such an honor to work with him. And he's such a pleasure to work with. And But yeah, <laughs> that commercial. So mistake take. The lesson from that is always finish your takes. Yeah. The only Don't. person who's allowed to yell cut is right. the director. It's not you. So you, unless you're, you're about to be killed, you don't yell cut. It's almost like in theater, right? You would never think, younger actors, maybe you're just doing theater. Right. Or you would never think when you're doing a play, if you mess up to just stop nope. and start over. Nope. Same thing in front of the camera. Just keep going because they may, it may be something that you did that seemed to you was terrible, but is hilarious to everyone else. Yes. Or something else will happen or they had a great take so far. You just can't stop. Just keep going. Yeah. Because no. it might be that happy accident. There's nothing better than messing up a happy accident and then they can't use it. Right. No, that you ruined it. And that was, when I see it, even seeing it online, it looks amazing. I smashed that salad so hard against, because I, um, you know, it was a mistake. I smushed <laughs> that it did that thing where it and went yeah. sliding down. That's the funny. Side. That's funny. Yeah. No, and then and then in dramas too, you, you know, the you heard online that Leonardo DiCaprio in, was it Django Unchained or... Yeah, where he, yeah. he smashes down. He's still in the scene. He smashes his down, down on glass. And you see him on camera pick glass out of his hand because he, not of prop, like glass, a real glass. He smashed it. And later on, he had to have like, I think, stitches and stuff. But he cut his hand mm-hmm. on camera by accident. And it looks amazing. And Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner, she yeah. runs and slips and slips her arm through a glass thing. Almost cuts her arm off, but they use that take. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, that reminds me of, Something that I saw my wife, Tressa, do. She was in the movie Evolution. I remember that movie with David Duchovny, right? Mm-hmm. And she heard it from someone else. And maybe, <laughs> and I tried this the other night. What it is, is you're working on something, and if you're the last one in the scene, like, it's the scene where you all come out and then everyone leaves. Mm-hmm. And if you're the last one, you don't just leave exactly the same time as everyone. You kind of linger, look around like, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and she did that in Evolution. They all got out of this van. Yes. And they're like, students, get over here. And they all leave. And then she stops and like looks around for a couple seconds. And <laughs> she got that extra couple seconds on camera. Oh, that's brilliant. So I was shooting this show the other night that I, I can't talk about other than to say like I was shooting this show the other night. And we're in front of this really coolly decorated thing in front of us. And we're all leaving this event. I can't. I have to be very vague about this. <laughs> and I'm walking with the characters playing my wife. And we're all walking off. Then I kind of stop, and she keeps going, and I stop, and I go like, 
Mm. I look at this thing, <laughs> and we we do that like for five, five or six takes, and then after that, I hear the director go, uh, "Yeah, Brent, could you just uh, you gotta leave with your wife? Do not stop." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? It's my pit. Come on. <laughs> it's my thing. I was like, and I was like, I was thinking like, oh, well, we shot it like seven times that way. And I only shot it like one time the other way. So yeah. It's like, um, which, which way is going to be? <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll cut it where it's like, you're just about to look around and cut. Yeah, cut. <laughs> but no, that's brilliant. I, I love stealing stuff and I'm going to steal that for next time I have to leave last time. You know, if, if it presents itself that way, you don't want to like force it. But if it is something that you could do. It's kind of funny to do if you're the last one leaving anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant. And she had heard it from a different actor. I don't remember who it was. Yes. Oh, my gosh. These, but, these things these things that we pass on to other people. I don't think, I don't know if uh, other people uh, mess up in front of celebrities cause, on your coverage. But, you know, it happens. No, it's a good thing to know, though, because even if you're not to that level in your career yet, mm-hmm. you may be someday. Hopefully yeah. you will be. And then you've already heard, like, okay, if I do mess up, I do remember them saying that this could happen and not to freak out about it. Because when you're in that, all these situations for the first time, your tendency is to like kind of freak out when something goes wrong, right? Yeah. But these things happen all the time. Exactly. And we forget that the celebrities mess up too. They're doing it right in front right. of you. When they're messing and but they're celebrities. So you're like, oh, it's okay when they do it. It's not okay when I do it. But it's, it is okay because we're all working and they'll, they just need some good takes. And this is, this is where I got it, where I know how to adjust when it's happening. I worked on the final series episode, the, so the series finale episode of the Mindy Project starring Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. And my scene was directly opposite of, of Mindy, Chris Messina, and the amazing Rhea Perlman, who's uh, the former wife of um, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Yeah. And it was great working with them. And so, you know, she had these, and they were trying different lines and different things, and sometimes she would mess up, and then it got to my coverage, and I would mess up, and I would kind of like hold there going, I does the director say cut or anything? It was a big guest star, but I wasn't as experienced yet. And Mindy just turns to me at one point and says, Chris, on this show, you're allowed to reset yourself. Mm-hmm. Meaning you just pause, go back to the beginning of the line, say it the way it's supposed to be said, and then you'll be fine. And then they get edit from that way. I'm like, oh, I've okay. done that before too. Yeah. yeah. And it just gives them more chances to like, right. you know, they don't when, have to cut. When you watch with the veteran actors and the celebrities, when they do mess up, then it doesn't even, you don't even remember, remember the mess up because like you said, they don't bring attention to it. Mm-hmm. They just pause, go back to the beginning of that line and start again. Sometimes they'll, I did that with that uh, in the recent Chris movie. I was messing up, you know, on my coverage and then I couldn't save it. So I just kind of raised my finger and said, I'm just going to start from the beginning. And I started from the beginning of the speech and they, they, they didn't have any issues with it and you just do it and then you have a clean yeah. edit, you know, and you don't need to do the dang it or oh, I messed up because like, it's okay. You just, you reset yourself. Like Mindy said, reset, and then you know, you then you don't have to yell cut. You know, meaning the director will yell cut if he needs to, but you don't yell cut. You just reset, and, right? Yeah, that's how you handle it. You and just, I don't know if we've talked explicitly about this on the show, but like we do a lot of times talk about like co-stars and guest stars. Mm-hmm. Now there is this okay. There's the overall thing where like all of you working together on the show are all co-stars, yes, together. But what we're talking about is if your billing is as a co-star on the show, that means you probably have. Probably one scene or two shorter scenes, and yes. you have maybe one to five lines. Yeah. You can even have a co-star with no lines if it's like some kind of big reaction that's everyone's going to see that's yep. relevant to the scene. Yeah, guest star is you have probably more than one scene for sure, mm-hmm. and maybe three, four scenes throughout the episode, and you have you know more lines than that. So, yeah, sometimes yeah. some bigger speeches. I used to get that confused when I was young, you know, you know, younger or starting out, and I noticed some other people do too. It's like. 
Co-star sounds it's bigger. It I'm sounds co-star. bigger, right? Because yeah. you're 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 a co-star. You're a yeah. star along with the star. Yeah, I'm co-starring with guest stars. Oh, yeah, like, right. And then uh, you know that's a big deal. I'll tell you what you want is the and you know it, where it just says at the end and Chris Chan. Yes, you know. <laughs> Because yes. then you're like the big star that's just deigning themselves to come back and be on some TV show, right? <laughs> yep. like, <laughs> I, I watch for that that kind of billing. It's like, that's nice billing. And Brent Pope and introducing Brent Pope. Oh, and introducing. I mean, I think we're too young to be and in, I hope we're well, too old to be and introducing. <laughs> know. But, you know. <laughs> Usually it's like some new, new fresh <laughs> or face. Like we, guys in their 40s and <laughs> in their first time ever. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, that's sad. That's just Aww. sad. That's their first time. But no, it, it, that, 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 that designation, co-stars, I'll also interject this to any other aspiring actors listening. Co-stars, the one, you know, one-liners, two-liners, uh, those, uh, you know, coming in, those are actually much harder to audition and book. Yeah. Because you have to have this whole arc on, sometimes it's one word, sometimes it's three words. And you have to know how your that character fits into mm-hmm. the scene and fits into the episode. And I, and a lot of times when you get those, you have to know how they fit into the scene of the episode. But you a lot of times don't get the rest of the script. You don't because otherwise, then they're sending the script to like a hundred people that will, will not get it, and they don't want they just don't want to risk things being leaked. Yep. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. This is fun. What was your first co-star you ever did? First TV co-star. First TV co-star with my. I'll go for my current agent. Uh, my so no. What was your first one ever? Like the oldest embarrassing first co-star. That's what I want to hear. Oh, the oldest embarrassing co-star. Yeah, I mean, oh, this is bad. I'll tell you mine too. I'll tell okay. you mine too. This is yeah. bad. This is going back to uh, Cleveland, and it was this local PBS show that had this beagle that solved mysteries called Sherlock, <laughs> okay. and I had to. Oh, so embarrassing. I had to pretend that uh, I was in like Tibet, and I they dressed me up like that. And then I had this mutton stew that I was going to share with Sherlock. And they had that dinty more beef stew. They just plopped into a bowl. And I'm talk, talking at the... And <laughs> mind you, this beagle can yeah. outact me and everyone else on the cast. Turn to this little beagle and I'm like, you know, I, I turn him in a really bad generic Asian accent and go like, a mutton is the food of my people, Sherlock. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I just, when I saw the footage, I was like, oh, kill me. Why? <laughs> Why? That was my first one. And I... Oof. See now you're doing guest stars. What was your first? What was your first guest star? Oh, first guest star. It was Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and I had oh, to play. That was your first guest star. I think it was. Yeah, because the, the, they came about the same time. The other one was Criminal Minds. I did, but I think that was after. But it was I had to play a bursar, which people who went to college <laughs> still don't even know what that is. Right. So we're, that's where you pay your tuition. That's where you get your registration sticker on for your ID. The bursar's office, office of the bursar. So I play this bursar opposite Vela Lavelle's character, Heather, on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I had to tell her that she was no longer allowed to go to this community college because she took she took every course that we had to offer. And in a nice way, going, you're graduating, and whether you like it or not. And it sets up a fun song and dance thing right after that she does. But I remember that scene, that auditioning for that, uh, again, I was like looking, and there was a reference to when this, that character, he was Bursar Ned, and he... He graduated and he mentioned this rock song that he had either the lyrics on his graduation cap or it was playing. And I had to look up this rock song because I didn't know it. And I did the math and I figured out that, oh, he's either based on either high school or college graduation he's referring to. He's either 54 or 58 years old. I'm like, I'm not quite that old, but you know what? I'm just going to do it, right? And all the guys in the um, casting office at the audition were way older than me. And one guy even had a toupee, like a bad toupee, like wow. like not a good Hollywood toupee, just like, oh, my gosh. But 
they were all older. And again, it's like, oh, too bad I'm not older. But I ended up booking it. And the nice thing is, even when we shot it, when I, they cast me, they didn't have that reference anymore, even when we shot it. It wasn't like I, sh- I said the line and they yeah. cut it out afterwards. Yeah. So that one was fun because that scene was an extension of something that I learned from my audition coach called, he didn't make this up, but he stressed this a lot. Sometimes your job as the co-star or guest star is to stop the leads from getting what they want. It can be a hostess at a you know restaurant where she's like, oh, I'm sorry, you need a reservation three weeks in advance, that kind of thing. And my coach calls it salting the blade and twisting the knife. Mm-hmm. That's your job to do to the, the lead. You know, you, you're not going to get what you want. So that scene was all that, the whole entire scene, telling this character that you don't get to be astute anymore. But I did it in a nice way. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I booked it. I'm like, oh, no, honey, no, you, you're not, you can't be coming here anymore and taking classes because you took all of them, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's really important to me to know. A lot of times those one-liners are your twist, salting the blade, twisting the knife. You, the lead, aren't going to get what you want, and then confusion and comedy ensues. The other thing that you and I know a lot, we, yeah. we're part of the exposition. We give information. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, I just rewatched your better things. Oh, yeah. And you come in and give the solution. Like, you just drive by in a van and casually go, oh, you know, oh, like, the disaster's over. It's like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what was that line? There was a do. blackout, and I'm driving by in the DWP car. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's, it's over. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, thanks, Brent. You saved it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I do a lot. I do I, elevator repairman. I don't know, taking out the garbage, Yeah, uh, driving the DWP truck. I've done that a lot. Yeah, I've done solved a lot of problems or been the annoying guy that created the problem. Um, <laughs> Isn't it great when you get to do it in like one or two lines? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. The D- your DWP guy, the power guy on the, uh, oh, I'm going to finish this thing and then yeah. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Okay. And I'll tell you mine. But yeah, you just come along and in two lines, three lines, you have solved the entire crisis. Yep. It's like, here I am. I solved it. You know, it's like. That's that's tech. Well, that's a funny comedy thing to have. It's like, oh my god, this is so messed up. How we? uh, I don't know how to solve it. You know how to solve it? None of us know how to solve it. Hey, you. Oh yeah, let me flip the switch. Yeah. Also, they you you, in that episode. I don't know if you know the answer. They had like a full on tornado warnings alert, Mm -hmm. and that one daughter was panicking. And before you come along, I'm like. They never explain why there's a tornado warning alert. Going I don't in. think it was a tornado alert. It was just like some some alarm went off and it was it was there was a blackout. Right, because you know. we don't get tornadoes in SoCal. So sorry to stop the party, but we're having so much fun with Christopher Chen that we're going to have to extend this to next week when we have part two of the return of Christopher Chen on Breakfast. <laughs> Enjoy Breakfast with Brent Pope? Help support it by buying some awesome swag like the comfy shirts and the beautiful coffee mugs. Go to breakfaststore.com.